Welcome to live stream number 46. 46, 46, 46. <laughs> it's my new opener for the live stream. Uh, hey, happy Sunday. Happy Choich Day to you. Uh, happy Sunday, everybody. Sunday fun day, whatever it is for you, whether it's Sunday fun day or Choich Day or some other type of day for you. Happy Sunday. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, first up in the program today, I want to talk about free work as a marketing plan. Now, there's a lot of people that uh, there's a lot of people that have opinions and thoughts on this one way or another. Um, you know, some people are like, hey, you should never do spec work, you should never do free work. Um, other people say there's a place for it. This is something I have to say that I've listened to Gary V talk about recently. And, uh, you know, he does sort of say, listen, it, it depends. It's, it's sort of supply and demand. If you're at a, if you're at a point where it makes sense to do free work as a way to get, get in the door. And he gives the example of his main video guy, D rock, who's like pretty much famous in and of himself now, just as his video guy, you know, got in the door by doing some free work. Um, and gives other examples. And I know people, for example, with, you know, that work at high end, um, agencies who basically do some form of free work in their proposal process. So, um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of ways in which people can do free work. Um, and, and I was thinking about this in the context of this productized service I'm working on content accelerator. You can check us out at contentaccelerator.io. Um, which is that, um, I realized one of the things that I'm, I'm going to do, and I already did yesterday is to, uh, so the idea of content accelerator is that we do videos and, or, or different types of content, um, written audio videos. Uh, and so, um, I'm basically taking the stuff I'm doing for myself and sort of productizing it anyways, I realize Probably the main way I want to market this is by doing free stuff for people um, who have existing video content, existing um, you know audiences essentially, right? And so um, there's a number of ways in which I thought this is absolutely brilliant. I think it applies to more than just my case. It, it definitely does. So I want to give some give some I some. Um, some suggestions and ways that this, this could work. You know, there's scenarios where doing free work, uh, uh, can work out great. And there are some scenarios where it probably is not a good idea, right? If you have a development age, if you're a developer, you're not going to do, you know, free development work. Like you're not going to do like several hours of free development work for someone. There's just no sort of, there's just no point in it. Almost developers in such high demand, um, it's like, what's, you know, I generally would say, don't do that. Now, if you're just getting your foot in the door, you can maybe do that. But it, I think it makes less sense. Like one of the beautiful things about this particular case about doing content is that, um, oh, you know what I forgot to do? Let me briefly interrupt so that I can pull up the, uh, thing here on my phone, just in case we get any questions or comments in the live chat. Uh, but so, um, 
But so there's 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 a number of things that make this work so beautifully that I, that crystallized for me yesterday. Um, and for one, is that in the case of you know doing content for people who have existing audiences, um, you can uh, you can do something for somebody and, um, they already have existing video content. So you don't have to go through the process of saying, Hey, can you send me some of your content? And then we'll do some post-production for you. You can just find the content on their YouTube channel, whatever, and then just do it and be like, Hey, I just did this for you. Kind of a thing. Right. And like yesterday I did something, um, which, you know, was basically $30 cost. So not super duper expensive, but, um, you know, that's, those are some good marketing dollars spent to spend in my opinion, because able to produce a nice piece of content for somebody, they're able to kind of, you know, kind of get like a free taste test, you know, of it. And then hopefully if they like it, then they'll want to, you know, pay. Right. And, and more than just if they themselves want to pay again, in the case of people, and I'm going to try to broaden this out. For other use cases, but in the case of people who have existing audiences, um, you know, they're going to be sharing the, f they, they might be sharing the fact that they're using your service so that that's your, those marketing dollars are going really far. Um, and so I, I just think it's a, I think it's a great, it's a great plan. Also, it kind of forces us to make our onboarding nice and simple. You know, that's another aspect of this is that if you're trying to get people with existing audiences to use your, your product, you know, um, you know, they're busy, you know what I mean? They're, they, they're not going to have a lot of time, a lot of bandwidth for you, but if you can make it really easy for them, then they'll be like, okay, cool, let's do it. So it sort of is going to force you to really simplify your onboarding. So there's just a number of cool aspects of this type of a marketing approach that I think are, really, really cool from a number of angles. So some other, some other, uh, potential use cases I already talked about, you know, if you're a developer doing free development work, nah, probably not a good idea. What if you are an e-commerce agency, um, and you can do some free e-commerce strategy for an existing brand out there. That's something that you could do in a matter of 10, 20 minutes, right? Again, you could look at, there's existing stuff out there on the web you could look at to give them some strategic advice so that you don't have to ask them for it. You could just do it, right? So you could just look at their website and let's say you make a list of, of some of the different um, clients that you want to have, go look at their site and, and gives them some really insightful strategic advice. Spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes uh, to, to, to do that, right? Maybe you could do a site teardown, right? Now, if you do a site teardown, you want to decide whether you're going to share that privately or publicly. You know, some people will do teardowns and just share them publicly, which can work, but it could also potentially may maybe be somewhat unwelcome if you're criticizing things, right? So just think about how to do that. But, um, but that's a, that's a great, I think that'd be a great, uh, way to, you know, great essentially marketing plan. Now, um, if there's also a way in which, you know, that client is, uh, going to share the, the work that you did, then again, you're getting, un, you're getting additional benefits and that probably wouldn't happen quite as much in that scenario as in the scenario I gave just because of the nature of the work. But, 
Um, but anyway, so, so I think there's probably, those are the, those are the two examples, my own example. And then the e-commerce strategy example, there's probably tons of different examples where this could work out. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think that is a good thing to, to check out. Okay. Next up, I have been trying to get a little more involved in the, um, in the indie hackers community. I consider myself an indie hacker, um, although I really haven't been very involved in this community to date, and I want to change that. So I am giving some feedback on some of the threads that I saw here. Uh, this one is 30,000 visits a month, what to do. A couple years ago, I started a website, Python for the Lab, which is a collection of articles of implementing data workshops. S website grew to 30 thousand visits a month which is that's great that's that ain't nothing to sneeze at that's a great some great traffic currently selling ebook two to five copies a month and have a newsletter which has 750 subscribers it feels like quick math you know you could be getting quite a bit more than this i mean if you have thirty thousand visits a month and you could convert what one percent what's one percent of thirty thousand is i'm this i'm going to show how bad i am at math here i was a math major believe it or not abstract algebra all sorts of stuff i did and now i'm reduced to the point that i cannot do simple math okay 300 so that's 300 signups a month you should be getting now i don't know how long it's been getting thirty thousand visits a month has that been for a year two years five years a month right so feels like you could be getting more subscribers if nothing less now here we go my main my main problem is that the workshops I organize are for specific niche, mainly physicists doing a PhD or postdoc, but the audience of the website arrives looking for general programming information not covered on other websites. I would love to capitalize on the visits to websites, I'm not sure how, uh, consider adding video tutorials, but they're very time consuming to produce with high standards and it is a path hard to validate before producing content. So specifically, I want to drill into this. I think that we definitely tend to overthink uh, video content. Um, you know, sure, it can be, it, you know, it is very con time consuming to do super high quality video. Um, it is, you know, you find yourself buying more and more equipment and things like that. But you don't necessarily need it to be super duper duper high quality if if there's um, you know it, it's about the content right so if you're explaining how to do something in Python and there's people that want to consume that on video it's not gonna matter that the quality is not super duper duper high now it may be the case I mean my first intuition is that I'm imagining developers maybe wanting preferring to consume that this content via written right because they're just getting in there. They're trying to solve problems as a developer. They want to get in, get the answer, get out. So they may not even be very interested in video, uh, but maybe they are. But if you want to test it out, I would say don't worry so much about the quality. You know, get in there, do some screen shares, um, and and test it out. Um, all right. So a couple other things. I want to pull up the site real quick. So first off, the fact that you're getting. 30,000 visits a month from a demographic that likely has money to spend, right? These are programmers. It sounds like not as many of them are actually from a lab as you would like, even though that's sort of the website. Like it sounds like you're saying 
you have a workshop that you organize for physicists or postdocs, whatever, um, which is the whole idea as, you know, as somebody that works in a lab as a physicist, as a postdoc, as a PhD, um, how, how to use Python for that. And it sounds like you're saying that you're getting a lot of generic Python developers coming to the site. Um, so that's, but either way, this has got to be a high value audience. Um, and I think, I mean, one, one approach to this is to maybe go, you know, maybe you can charge, um, five, 10 bucks a month for access to some of this content, right? If, if you're helping professionals now, I know postdocs don't always make a lot of money and sometimes they're, they're kind of on the ramen diet. So, so maybe, you know, you think of somebody that's pursuing a PhD as a highly educated person who there's got to be a lot of value in that audience, but maybe, maybe this particular audience is like, they don't want to spend any money at all. So I guess that that's one question to figure out, but, um, you know, maybe if you're helping professionals solve work related problems, you could charge five, 10 bucks a month for access to some of this content. You make some of it free. You make some of it paid. Um, then again, you know, developers are notorious for not wanting to pay for stuff. So that could maybe be tricky, but I think that even developers are starting to get more and more comfortable with paying for stuff. You look at Laracasts, you look at lots of different things where developers are paying for good content. So that might be something to, um, test out. And then let me see if I have any other thoughts here. So just some general website thoughts. Obviously, I'm kind of on the tablet view here. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna zoom into the like phone view of this because that tends to actually be better than the tablet view. So you've got a forum. Here's your email sign up. So this could be optimized, right? For starters, like get all the information directly. Like what? Like what? Like what information, right? Like like tailor this specifically to that lab developer, like. You know, here are way. You know, you know, here are some ways to use Python. You know, here are the three tips to you know do a better job of solving problems that people in labs face using Python. Um, complete guide to imports, absolute relative. I mean, it, again, it seems like you have some really like quality actual content here for Python developers, which is the good thing. It looks like this is your prompt for the email sign up. See, this already is much better than the one on the homepage, right? Join over 1000 Python developers. Although <laughs> now I'm curious why it says over a thousand developers and you, you said you only have 750 describers, but anyways, um, and you've got the books. Seems like you're already doing some really smart things. I know you mentioned your numbers aren't too good to start with. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to say, get on the phone. <laughs> okay. So this is something as I was building my first business that kind of took off is, you know, I, I'm guessing you're a developer. I was a develop. I am a developer, I was a developer, more of a full-time developer in the past. And when I first built my thing, the thing that took me so long to get to was get on the phone with people. So, um, you know, figure like, if you got on a phone call, like if you had a prompt in here somewhere and you said, hey, um, if you run a lab and you guys use Python, I just wanna talk to you for 15 minutes, learn more about the problems you're facing um, and things like that and how I can solve them. You will be amazed at how quickly 
you'll start to figure out and understand your your market better, what their problems are, what their most valuable problems are. You know, um, let's say for you know, for example, you're you're selling these books, which I'm assuming the price point is relatively low, and you're and you're not getting enough of the um, you know the the specific audience you want to get. What if instead you said, hey, if you run a lab, I want to talk to you. What if it turns out that people that run labs would pay you 100 bucks a month, 200 bucks a month for something that would help them, uh, you know, help them help their lab run more smoothly, right? So maybe you're giving them some, some good training and some, um, you know, access to, uh, you know, help their developers get unblocked or whatever, like, like, they likely have a if they run a lab and they have money they likely have some problem that to them is worth 100 200 bucks uh, because python is probably at the core of what they do for um data analysis for running their lab so they likely have something that's worth 100 200 500 a month to them to solve that problem well so figure out what that is and then now you only have to worry about getting 10 or 20 of these labs to pay you $500 a month before you're really off to the races. Um, and so that's another thing I'd really, really highly recommend start getting on the phone with people. Uh, you're going to learn a lot quickly. A lot of times as developers, you know, we want to look at our analytics and stuff like that and, and keyword analysis and stuff to try to figure out what to do next. But just talking to another person is extremely powerful. So those are my recommendations. Hope that helps. And uh, let's move on to the. Actually, this is another. This is another indie hackers post. Give some more feedback. Excuse me. Okay. What to do when your idea has competition. I have a new product idea, but there's already another product that solves the same problem. I'm reading the personal MBA right now, and it says that competition is a good thing because you don't need to validate the problem anymore. It also says you should become a customer of the competition, learn anything you can, and then create something more valuable. It's a good strategy. So, yes, there's a number of nuggets in here I, I definitely agree with. Um, when you know if you come up with an idea and it's totally new and there's absolutely no one doing that you don't know whether there's any demand for that at all yet so uh, having competitors in a space is a good thing um the idea to become a customer of the competition to me is interesting and 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 here's where i agree disagree i disagree with the idea that um, so there was a tweet. I did a topic on my stream recently. There was a tweet from a guy named Sahil, the founder of Gumroad, I believe. And, um, he had this great tweet and it was fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Um, and, and there's a lot that we could get into there. You could check out that video I did, but if you really, so you really want to fall in love with the problem here. And, and what, what, what I mean by that is, um, by the way, are, have you, let me see if you've talked at all about what the specific, let me see if you've talked at all about what the specific 
spaces that you're in. I don't know if you have or not. So, um, okay. So yeah, I'm, I, so I don't have any context on what the uh, problem space you're in is, but so, um, let's say there's some con there. Well, there is some competition you've mentioned. I, what I would not do is say, well, I'm going to become a customer of them just so I can learn everything they can do and I can like figure out how to beat them and then I can go beat them like that. Like you can do that. That might work. Like there's nothing unethical about that. Well, most likely nothing unethical about that. But what I would say is if you really fall in love with the problem, um, I gotta, I gotta give a specific thing just to talk through this. Let's say that you are let's say that you are doing SMS marketing. Okay. Just cause that's something that's on my mind lately. Let's say you're doing SMS marketing. Um, if the competition is doing SMS marketing absolutely perfectly and they're like, if the problem you imagine solving in your head that you're interested in is something that the competitor is doing an absolutely wonderful job of, if you really or truly are in love with the problem, then you'll be more likely to actually use their service than to just build something different for the sake of building something different. Like I think that you're going to run out of steam on that if all you're doing is sort of just trying to build something better than the competition. I think that especially within a context of us indie hackers, like we really have to have something we're passionate about. And if you're passionate about that particular problem, um, like, um, you know, uh, you, you, I don't, you're not going to be able to work on it long term by just going like, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z different from them. Like you really have to, I think, have an idea that originates from, from you, from something you're excited about. So, um, so I think it is good to become a, a customer. And I'm working on a product right now where, um, and I think the best products are where you're scratching your own itch. And that's something I'm, I'm doing, I'm building something out where I was, I was, I've been starting to do more content and I was like, Oh, I need, you know, some post-production of my content. And I didn't find an existing solution out there. So I'm kind of building it myself. But one of the things I keep trying to come back to is if I do find a solution, and this is what it means to, to be in love with the problem, not your solution. If I do end up stumbling across a competitor that's doing the thing I imagined in my head I want to do, and they're doing a great job of it, and they're doing it at a great price point, I should really be totally happy with using their solution to scratch that itch because you know, whereas like when you fall in love with the salute with your solution, then all of a sudden you go, Oh crap, they're doing a better job than me, but I still have to do my thing because I just have to do my thing. I've fallen in love with my solution. I'm religious about my solution versus if what you care about is the problem, you'll actually be excited that you found someone solving that problem so well that you'll just want to use them. Right? So that's one um, approach, uh, to it. I think that's the most, I think that's kind of the healthiest approach. And then when you're then like what, then what you're building is really to just really solve that problem. And so, you know, some people do a lot of, uh, compet competitive analysis. I've never gone that route. I noticed some people gave you that feedback in the comments. Um, 
I've never been that type of person. I think there's value in that from a business perspective to do really good competitor research. I know people that are really good at that. I've never gone that route. I've always just kind of done my own thing. And there's a lot of people that give that advice. Um, that I think, I think is a smart way to go to just kind of, um, uh, to just kind of do, you know, do things the way you want to do them. And based on the feedback you're getting from your customers, I think you got some of that feedback in here. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what I want to say on that. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, also some great feedback there in the comments. All right, next up. So this was a tweet from Sergey uh, Sergey Shimko. Um, while four months of pay, this is in reference to the WeWork situation. It's a quote, while four, quote, while four months of pay may sound pretty generous, it's in stark contrast to the $1.7 billion golden parachute investors handed to WeWork founder and former CEO Adam Newman, end quote. And then his comment, uh, there's no limit to human greed and jealousy. Complaining about four months severance is despicable. Um, and I said, my man, Sergey, uh, Sergey, bring in the heat. Um, you know, so there's a, been a lot of talk about the WeWork situation. There's been a lot of outrage. And, you know, in comparison to the, you know, the huge amount of money that the founder got, of course, the four month severance seems small in comparison, but, but Sergey, Sergey, by the way, Sergey, I, I let me know how to pronounce your name. I apologize. If I'm not pronouncing it right. Um, Sergey's, um, point is that, you know, complaining about four months, I I've never gotten sever. I don't know if I've ever been fired. I've quit mostly quit jobs, but anyways, I've never gotten severance. I'm pretty sure I've not. Yeah, I've never gotten severance. Uh, the idea of severance sounds amazing. I would sort of love to have gotten severance. And uh, <clears throat> I do I do have to agree that complaining about four months severance, um, you know, when you look at that and, you know, when you look at that sort of in isolation, when you're not comparing that to the billion dollars, it's, it's pretty crazy to complain about four months severance. Like, 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 like a lot of people do not get four months severance when they lose their job. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it's it, probably something that, uh, you know, I, I have to say, I find myself agreeing with Sergey here, um, that that's a, that's kind of a crazy thing to compare ourselves to compare to. I think a lot of the outrage around, around the, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too into the, to the. We work situation. There's been a lot said about it. Um, but you know, really he says it all here. There's no limit to greed and jealousy. I mean, it's really, it's jealousy, right? It's the jealousy that's fueling all of this that, Oh, he got this and I'm only getting, I'm only getting four months. He got a billion, right? That's jealousy. That's jealousy, plain and simple. Um, the truth is that you're getting four months. I saw other articles that talked about how, a lot of the employees were expecting to get, um, you know, quite a bit of money from the IPO. Um, and there was, you know, so, you know, so I, I saw some articles that, uh, you know, some outrage about the fact that they were not going to end up getting that money. 
um, you know, to basically become pretty wealthy. And, you know, it's, it's, I can see how it would suck to be in that position. It's about expectations, right? If you're expecting it a million dollars and all you get is four months severance, you're going to be upset because of the, the discrepancy in your expectation and the reality. Um, but sometimes we, you know, it's, it's crazy in this day and age with, um, the extremes of wealth, you know, and, and poverty and, and middle extreme differences between wealth and middle class and income disparities and stuff like that. It's, it's some ways it's almost impossible not to do the comparison as a human, it's human nature to, to make that comparison. Um, but I think we just, we got to just learn not to do that. You know, like we got to just not compare so much. So that's, that's it on that one. Um, yeah, that's it on that one. Okay. Next up, um, I saw this tweet come across my, uh, radar, uh, Silius, um, store is launched. So Silius is an e-commerce framework that's built on uh, Symphony, I think. Open source e-commerce platform on Symphony, gain full freedom to create an exceptional customer experience. So these guys have been around for a while. I, I remember looking at them maybe a year or two ago. They seem to have a really clean code base, uh, really, really nice job of you know, architecting their their uh, code base and and their module system probably a lot you know probably a lot cleaner than some of the other things that we've seen before um but i haven't really seen very many people actually using them and so um you know one of the things um magento, magento does a great job of is is the marketing side of things is having a huge market of people that use them and so you really, as, as, as clean as your code base is, you know, you got to have people using you. You got to have the marketing component as well. But so anyways, it was cool to see that they're, they've got a store, uh, which is basically a, um, this is basically a, like an extension store. It looks like it's a several things at once. So they've got a catalog of plugins, which I guess is sort of like an extension store. They've also got vendor profiles, uh, packages, stuff, ratings, and then I guess PayPal payments. I'm assuming for uh, for buying uh, extensions. Yeah. So where is this? Oh, here's okay. Here's the actual store. Silius.com slash plugins. Um, so there's some free stuff, probably some paid stuff. Anyway, it's cool to see this this um, this growing, um, their ecosystem growing and developing. Congratulations to them on that. Um, and uh yeah you know for those of us in the in the e-commerce php world you know this is probably something we want to take a look at for different projects um the original tweet from uh from alan storm caught my attention congratulations Silius, for launching their extension store if your system needs are somewhere in between host a platform like shopify and my boss's boss said we need to spend between 150 and 350 thousand over the next 18 months on this Silius should be on your short list um, 
So, yeah. Interesting development there. All right, next up. Tweet from Scott Buchanan. Uh, Everything old is new again. Just received the glossy holiday catalog in the mail from Amazon. Is this new or have they been doing this? Um, also got a separate one with kids toys. They had me profiled. So I, I, I was not at all aware of these. Uh, this is the first time I had seen this Amazon catalog. And it is really interesting. Everything old is new again. I mean, you know, the print catalog companies are kind of killed off by the Amazons and by the internet. And now the internet is, is going, you know, back to, uh, you know, physical spaces, whether those are pop-up stores, whether those are, you know, Amazon physical stores, Apple physical stores, and then, uh, physical print catalogs. And there is something cool about a print catalog. Like there's something, tangible about it you know like i like i find myself thinking like man i'd love to have one of these just to put on put on the coffee table during holiday season and kind of kind of casually browse them you know and look for things and stuff like that like there's something cool about catalogs you know uh print catalogs and um of course you wonder like man what are the costs involved in printing those out you know i mean it can't be cheap um, and all the paper that's, you know, they're being printed on and whatnot. Um, but you know, I'm sure Amazon has a model where they can cover those costs pretty easily. And so, um, so yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty interesting. Okay. Okay. Last up here. Tweet from David Perel. Uh, my crazy beliefs about writing, writing fast is just as important as writing well. Uh, good writing isn't about good syntax or grammar. Having interesting ideas is much more important. Agree with that big time. Number three, this is what I want to hone in on. If you can't write, don't read a writing book. Build a note-taking system first. Um, I've talked a little bit about kind of my system I've been using for um, you know, taking notes and sort of my sort of content routine for doing these streams, um, which... You know, it's funny, a lot of David's advice on writing, I think applies really well to communication of, of, of any kind, whether it's video or whatnot. And, and these videos also get turned into written content by my team and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and, and, and just the idea that, you know, good writing is not about syntax grammar. It's about the interesting ideas, you know? So, so like I've heard people say like, you know, part of being a writer is, is the sitting in the coffee shop and conversating with people and fleshing out those ideas. Like that's actually writing, right? Whereas the typing is typing. <clears throat> so idea generation is part of writing. And in that sense, it's like in a, in an odd way, like doing videos and stuff like this is part of writing in that more abstract sense. Uh, but this, this note taking thing is really powerful. Um, I have, uh, I have developed a really simple note taking system, um, which is working great for me. It's literally just when I'm browsing Twitter, if something's interesting to me, I send a reply to the tweet. Um, because then the next morning I sit down and review all the tweet replies I've written. And then some of them will be ones that I want to talk about. I want to further flesh out. Um, I have a Google keep note where I get an idea. I write it down. I use a lot of voice to text saving yourself, you know, a couple of seconds, saving yourself the 10 seconds of writing 
makes a lot of difference. You really want to remove friction in taking those notes because like I've gone from like maybe taking one note every couple of days to taking 10 notes a day kind of a thing. And you get this to the point where you get an idea, you quickly note it down. Um, and then the, every morning I sit down again, I review the tweets, I review the notes from Google keep, and then I, I organize them. I put them into my air table. I organize them by topic and da, 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 and then I prioritize them for the day. It's a very simple system, but it's a great little system that's allowing me to just capture thoughts. Um, whereas if I didn't have that and I sat down and I tried to do a stream, I'd be like, uh, what do I want to talk about today? And I'd be totally lost. Um, I do a lot of, a lot of this is spontaneous, but, um, having a, having a structure to work off of, um, has been really powerful for me. And so, um, super agree here, build yourself a note-taking system. Um, all right. Well, that is all I have for you today. I hope you have a fantastic, whoa, 37 minutes. That was a long one. That was, that was a barn burner. Um, <laughs> So I hope you have a great uh, Sunday and 